are glad that you are here with us again on GPS to God. Please make sure you rate, review, subscribe wherever you are listening or watching. We need your help. We want to uh, um, reach more people, and you do. You help us to do that by rating and subscribing and all that kind of stuff. Russell can do it. Yeah. Russell has done it. And if Russell can do it, anybody, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it, yes. That's right. Absolutely. Make sure you reach out to us, podcast at parkwaybc.net. Um, you know, if you want to reach out, suggest topics or tell us why we are right or wrong on something that, uh, you know, we, we'll shoot that down too. So <laughs> just uh, hop on there, podca- podcast at parkwaybc.net. I can't talk today. It's a little warm in here. We have no AC today. So we're we're sweaty. Uh, not Russell. He works outside. He's used to it. Feels great. Yeah. So Zach and I are office guys. I need it. I need below seventy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, we have Mr. Shannon Shorter, who is a professional basketball player, and he is actually playing overseas in Croatia at the moment. And uh, so we're, we're excited to talk to him about his life and his story and. and how he has ended up in Croatia, but also with world events going on, we're going to get into that a little bit too. But uh, Shannon, thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate y'all having me. Thank you for allowing me to join the podcast and just share my story. Um, I'm excited about this interview. So Shannon, uh, playing in Croatia at the moment, but we're, we're going to get to that, but let's kind of go back to the beginning a little bit. And can you tell people kind of where you are and, and, uh, just growing up a little bit about you and how you grew up? So I grew up in Houston, Texas. Uh, it was just my mother and my two siblings I'm the youngest. And, um, my mother, she did a phenomenal job raising us single mother. My father wasn't really around. Um, we grew up in the inner city. So, you know, obviously, you know, you face different scenarios when you come up in the inner city. My mama, she didn't really allow us to make excuses or feel sorry for ourselves. She really just was a go-getter. She worked in education for 20 years. She had other side hustles that, you know, she did just to generate money. Um, and I, you know, I can't say anything bad about my mother, obviously, because she raised me the right way. Um and yeah, I grew up in Houston, Texas, A Leaf to be exact, southwest side of Houston. And it was just one of the best times in my life. So growing up, single parent, uh, mom kind of, you know, doing what she had to do to raise you and your siblings. Um, did that make it tough playing sports? I mean, you're a professional athlete, so obviously sports has been a part of your life for a long time. W- was that tough, uh, you know, money wise, financially? just getting to and from practice and games and that kind of stuff? Uh, the toughest part was probably getting to and from practices because of the location that my mother worked in the city. I was on the other side of the city a lot of the time, and she worked in a whole different area of the city. But as far as, like, playing and getting opportunities and accessories, she put us in literally every sport. Like, I played soccer, played football when I was younger, basketball ran track literally did everything just to keep us busy busy so we wouldn't be uh doing things we shouldn't have been doing at that age and i really just did everything my brother did so that's where the basketball came into it because i just was just following him and trying to do everything he wanted to do and then once i followed him in the basketball round um i picked up a joy and a passion for it when i was like eight seven eight nine around that age 
And ever since then, it just took off. Do you think playing other sports helped you early on, like playing soccer? Did that help with your footwork and just doing different sports, helping with different um, coordination aspects that when you focused on basketball, it kind of all came together? Um, At that age, I really didn't know. Like, I really was just doing something just to do it. Like, soccer, my whole goal with soccer was just, okay, kick it in the goal. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know uh, the footwork you needed to get around your man or, like, uh, but looking back, hindsight 2020 and where I'm at in my career and my age now, all of that correlates as far as, like, with footwork and basketball, with hip mobility as far as, like, in track and field, with uh, core strength as far as in football where when your core is strong, it's hard to take you off balance and et cetera. So I feel like it all correlates. So I try to implement a lot of those things in my workouts now in the offseason. Shannon, I got a question just because I don't know. Um, I mean, I know you're a, a member at, at Bethel um, Church. And so at, at what age were you really introduced to church and was your mom a big influence in that? My mom was not a big influence in that. She was more so like a, um, I don't want to, you know, like a seasonal christian in a sense like where they go easter christmas mother's day you know what i mean holidays so we'll be in church on big holidays and etc the person who really introduced me to it was my sister though you know she prayed for me a lot she fasted for me she spoke life into me when i was uh 16 17 she had a different kind of uh fellowship and relationship with christ to where she just pushed that on upon me and my brother and me not even knowing what she was exactly doing at that time. So when I got older in college, that's when I really started taking it more serious. I had some teammates that took me to Bible studies and et cetera. And um, um, it just really built my heart and built me up in a way to be more more, more of an image of uh, the gospel and of Christ. And so that's kind of a good segue in there. So talk to me about like where you went to college and transfer and start, you know, any of that you want to talk about. Well, well, let's start with, let, let's start with high school first. Let, let's start with high school first. Okay. Were, were you highly recruited coming out of high school? Were you a big star in Houston or, or, or Shannon's a big star everywhere. Well, of course, <laughs> but <laughs> I wouldn't know. Seriously. I was a big star in Houston but not on like the national scale. So I was like city known, state known, state of Texas, Houston, but like nationally, probably the highest offer I had was from uh, Texas A&M. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have the North Carolinas, the Dukes, the UCL. I didn't have none of those types of schools, you know? And so uh, I was known. I did have a lot of scholarships coming out of high school. But I went end up going to Anna Corpus Christi, and I do feel like that was probably a decision I shouldn't have made because I was influenced by outside people other than going with what I felt in my heart. So I was young at the time. My mother, my my, my AU coach, who was like a father figure to me, Keith White, we went on an unofficial visit to Anna Corpus Christi. And at the time, this is my senior year, uh, the spring of 2007. And at the time, I wanted to go to Wichita State. Like, I had an offer, all that. I took an official visit, et cetera. Um, coach Turgeon was the coach at the time. But he wanted me to go to do a, a year of prep school because uh, 
So he had four scholarships, but he brought five of us on an official visit. And he didn't think one of the players was going to commit that committed. And it kind of was like a trickling down effect where it affected each and every uh, individual on the visit. So I couldn't go to Wichita State. So my mind was set on UTSA. Uh, I had committed already. And then my AAU coach, my mother, and Coach Lucas, John Lucas, he had a relationship with the head coach at Anna Corpus Christi at the time, Perry Clark. Perry Clark called Coach Lucas and said, who is the best unsigned player in Houston right now? Coach Lucas mentioned my name. And from there, that led me going to an unofficial visit. And, you know, he said a lot of stuff that I wanted to hear that day. And it influenced my mom and my AAU coach. And uh, I made that decision. So when I left Anna Corpus Christi, well, I went to Anna Corpus Christi my freshman year. It's going well at the beginning. And then the coach just literally stopped playing me. So when he stopped playing me, my whole mindset is, okay, I'm just going to work, come back better the next season. But lo and behold, at the end of the season, you know we have an end of the, end of the season uh, meeting with the coach. So he basically told me he releasing me. And it was just so new to me because I wasn't expecting that, you know. And he told me, if you need help with getting to another school or whatever case may be, I'll help you. So I ended up going to junior college. I went to Paris Junior College. I met Ross Hodge. He was my head coach, great dude. Still have a great relationship with him. And he just really, I had, I was low in confidence at that time because of everything that just transpired prior to getting to Paris Junior College. And my confidence was hit. And, um, but Paris was like definitely a blessing in disguise. And then I ended up at North Texas after that and uh, won a championship and, you know, we're we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but do you think that being released from the first college you attended, did that kind of help you look at basketball as a business as you moved on to become become a professional later on? Did that change um, things for you? It it changed my perspective on that a coach he gonna ultimately do what he feel best to keep his job. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can they can tell you how much they want you, how much they, they value you and et cetera. But at the end of the day, he still got a family to feed too. And his job on the line if he's not producing. So they gonna do what they gotta do to make sure, you know, he putting food in his kids' mouth, putting putting food in his his wife's mouth and making sure they, they're in a stable situation. So I don't really have any hard feelings towards that coach, but hindsight twenty twenty I realized like um you got to make sure um, you look out for yourself in the end and do what you feel is best for you because um, everybody not going to see what you see or vision, visualize what you visualize. And so for him to release me, it helped me realize, okay, don't worry about what other people think. Do what you got to do to put yourself in a position to be successful. So you finish up at college, you finish up at North Texas, graduate. Yes, sir. Then you, what, wh what are you doing at that time? Are you thinking I can, I, I can make basketball my living, I can get paid, I can be a pro, or are you looking at getting a quote unquote regular job somewhere? Now it's it's pretty funny because I don't think anybody believed I'd be in a position I'm in now, like outside of like the people that was really close to me, you know what I mean? But as far as like my teammates at North Texas, coaches at North Texas, um, 
and everybody that was involved in that situation, I don't think everybody would have thought like, okay, he 10 years pro now. It's 10 years later, he's still playing at a high level in the federal. And I say that because, again, my head coach at North Texas, I go back to what I just said, they're going to do what's best for them to make sure they keep their job. So my head coach at North Texas, you know, when they recruit you, they bring they tell you everything you want to hear in a sense, you know. So me coming into the 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 school, my expectations were a certain expectation, but they was totally different. I get there, coach tell me, um, I just want you to play defense, rebound, run the floor. If you shoot the ball, you're gonna be on the bench. I don't want you to shoot at all. <laughs> and I'm just like, so I'm just like, so why did you? bring me here and I'm on my call my mom probably like three months into my junior year and I was very emotional because it's like when you know what you can do and what you're capable of doing and like you being put in like a box and being told what to do and when you're on the court you gotta look over your shoulder and wonder like okay if I do this am I gonna come out the game and I tell a lot of my homies back home like that's the worst player you can be is somebody that's like overthinking in the game looking over their shoulder not playing off instinct, not playing off confidence because you really just jeopardizing yourself. And so that was my position at North Texas, but I was so passionate about basketball that I was like, look, I'm going to just play hard, control what's in my control, do what I got to do, and whatever happens, happens. And thank God we won a championship, and we lost in the finals the second year at the buzzer, which still eats at me. But, you know, it is what it is. So when I graduated from North – so after that, when I <laughs> – so after that, when I graduated, um, I didn't have no agencies calling my phone, no agent calling my phone, nothing to make you think like, okay, he's going to be doing this 10 years from now, you know? But I did have like John Lucas in my corner, a Byron Smith in my corner, um, Keith White in my corner. John Lucas and Byron Smith were dudes I trained with in the summer and they would, you know, tell me and just infuse confidence in me and just give me the opportunity just to work out and train against other pros like my first workout with John Lucas my first matchup in the right first ever matchup I'm the first time I worked out with coach Lucas was when I was 18 first ever matchup in the gym he matched me up with J.R. Smith J.R. Smith in the league he probably like 24 25 at this time destroys me destroys me. like <laughs> couldn't hey, but, do nothing with him like but nothing, look now score couldn't dribble look now you're still playing and he's golfing right. at like you know, North Carolina State or whatever he's doing <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's after 14 years in the NBA. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he destroyed me. But that was a blessing because it showed me what it's going to take to be in a position to be a pro. So even though I was struggling in college, them summers when I went home to train, it still infused confidence in me because I was going up against guys that was playing at a high level consistently. This ain't, you know, college athletes. This NBA players, high-level overseas players making millions of dollars. So, and they telling me how much I can play and what I can do and et cetera. So, I'm just waiting on my moment. So, I'm doing this in the summer with Coach Lucas after I graduate from North Texas for a year and a half. A year and a half go by, right? And I'm working out four and five times a day. It was a lot of tension in my house. So, because my mom wasn't working. They had cut my brother's uh, hours at his job. He had just had my niece. So it's like funds are low. It's a lot of tension in the household. So it's like, what are we going to do? 
So my mom come to me and just tell me this a year and a half later, right? And I don't think she was doubting anything, but I think she was just trying to be a nurturing mother and tell me like, look, it's been a year and a half. You may want to go into a different avenue and not, you know, pursue this basketball goal that you've been pursuing. Crazy thing, a week later, after we had that conversation, one of my close friends, Steve Walden, called, and he like a coach in Mexico right now. And he was like, look, I'm taking a travel team to Mexico. He said, I want you to come. It'll be a good opportunity for you. You can showcase yourself. I ain't really like, uh, I wasn't high on it. I ain't, I'm not even gonna lie. It wasn't something that really hurt my interest because I had got a lot of no's, like a lot of no's up until that point. So he, that was on a Monday. He called me that Friday. He was like, yo, we're leaving at 6 a.m. Um, I really want you to come. I'm telling you. And I remember, like, praying through the week. And, you know, uh, I had an epiphany, like, that told me, like, what do you have to lose? Like, if you stay here, nothing's going to happen. If you go, you may get an opportunity. You may not, but you still put yourself in a position. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go. So I go. We played a team that just won the championship in Mexico the year prior, right? I went crazy. Like, this a year and a half later. So, I am I got a lot of built-up animosity, frustration. <laughs> um, like Shannon's coming all out. Ready to be unleashed. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know, ready ready to be unleashed. And went crazy on the team. Had, like, 35 points. They paused the game in the first fourth quarter. GM come up to me right after, take my information, my name, email, phone number. He was like, okay, I'm going to call you. I got some few teams that, you know, should be interested. I'm going to call you. I ain't think much of it. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, it is what it is. I drive back to Houston. Granted, we drove to Mexico. We drove eight hours to the border, McAllen. So, you know what I mean? So, um, no problem. I get back to Houston, like three days later. Nah, not at all. So, I don't <laughs> mind taking long trips, as you can see. <laughs> but So, I get back to Houston. Three days later, the GM called me. GM called me three days later and basically tells me, I found a team for you. When can you leave? Uh, and I tell him, hey, stuff, you know. And I didn't hear from him for like a few days. So no, that is, next week. Is this um, a GM? In, like on a, huh? Is this a GM in Mexico? Yes. The GM of the team we had just played. He had, I guess he had like connections with other teams and just told them about me. And, you know, so the next week I call him on a Thursday. And I say, hey, um, I still haven't heard anything. What's going on? He's like, man, I was just about to call you. You leave tomorrow morning at 5.30 a.m. I'm like, what? I'm going to leave the ticket now. So I'm like, okay, it's like 11. It's, it's like it's like 11 o'clock at night at this time. Like, seriously. <laughs> so I go on, I tell my mom. She don't believe me. She, she, she really don't believe me. I go in my room, start packing. And she walk in the room. like, oh, you really leave? I say, yeah, mama, we on now. Like, this the opportunity we needed. She takes me to the airport. She boohoo crying. I, <laughs> I get to Mexico, right? Sign with a team. Sign for three thousand dollars, right? That team trade me to the worst team in the league. Right? <laughs> the worst team in the league trade me. Yeah, I, this is real life. Like this, what? this is crazy to me. So like my first week and a half, I'm like, what is going on? Like you get traded from the worst team in the league, but again, it was a blessing. <laughs> Right, because when I got traded from that team, the coach was waiting for me at the train station. We leave, go back to Mexico City. We played a team that I had just got traded from, the worst, quote-unquote, worst team in the league, right? And before the game, we have a meeting. He say, look, 
I don't got much money. I'm going to put the ball in your hand. And I'm going to give you opportunity. He said, I only got $500 to give you. So I'm making $500 a month. First opportunity. <laughs> I wasn't like dissatisfied by it. I was, I was extremely, extremely grateful. You know what I mean? Because one, I didn't pray for a million dollars. I just prayed for opportunity just to put me in position. And, and again, it goes back to the Bible where it says, if you're faithful, a few will be pulled over many. And that's what I kept reciting to myself when I was in that situation in Mexico. I was sleeping in a bunk bed, a twin bed. I had a roommate. We was in like a dorm, no bigger than like a, a single a single hotel room. And um, I led the league in scoring. I did what I was supposed to do. I was able to send money home to my moms. They still wasn't working. I was able to send money home to my mom. I gave my ties to, my, to the church, a little $50, you know? And um, um, I was just faithful in that situation. And 10 years later, we... We we here. Wow. So so can you give us like the, the trajectory that you went on? So from Mexico, where'd you go? Mexico, I get a call from my so like I didn't have the crazy thing is I didn't have the agent. So I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in these situations. I'm just like, okay, who make sure you don't go back home. That was my <laughs> mind. Like just make sure you do not go back home. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I get a, a DM on Facebook from an agent saying, hey, I'm an agent in Argentina. It's a team interested in you. Um, when does it season in and et cetera? I gave him all the information. He get, he basically gets me a contract, $5,000 a month, right, for like three months. So I think it was like close to 15. So I go to Argentina. Situation is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I leave Argentina, but thank God I had already built a relationship with one of the coaches from Mexico when I was playing out there. We had beat his team, and he told me, he said, I'm a coach of a team in Mexico in the summer league. It's a summer league in Mexico. He's like, I want you to be a part of my team. So as I'm in Argentina, he reached out to me and tell me, hey, this the contract. It was $4,000 a month for three months. Cool. I go to that team, do really well. Another GM of a team reached out to me from Ecuador <laughs> and um, tell me, hey, I want you to be a part of my team. I'm like, okay, cool. The money was uh, pretty solid, you know, another like 4500 a month, cool. For like, for the rest of the summer, I think it was from like mid-June to like late August. So as I'm in Ecuador, my teammate um, had an agent. And he was like, my agent been following you. He want to have a conversation with you. I'm like, All right, cool, I don't got no agent. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. So we have a conversation. I sent him some video. I sent him a lot of stuff that he needed. Literally like two weeks later, he had a job for me in Israel. And um, I went to Israel and from Israel, I, that was my first time in like a European league in a sense. That was an eight to nine month league. And I made $4,000 a month. Then I went back to Israel the next season. And no, yeah, $4,000 a month. That's when I met Z. That's when I met Z through my teammate Murph. And, you know, Murph was like, hey, I got a financial advisor. I'm like, bro, I don't got no money. I'm, you know, like, what you want me to? We met at Oxford, right? Is that where, that's where we were at? For... I don't, we, we met at Oxford, but we talked on the phone prior to that a few times. So I'm just like, I mean, you know how much money I'm getting. I, I ain't know nothing about finances. This ain't much, but I'll take it on. Um, and we built a relationship from there. And then I went back to Israel, made my deal in Japan. And um, that was for like 110. And then from Japan, I went to China. 
went to from China, I went to Turkey. From Turkey, I went back to China. Then I went to Australia. Then I went to Lebanon. Then I went to South Korea for two years. Then I went to Greece. Uh, after Greece, I went <laughs> I went back to Turkey, I think. And um, now I'm in Croatia. I feel like I'm missing out on a few countries in there, though. But the trajectory was crazy because I remember me and Z's talk about it like, bro, you went from $500 a month to making almost $50,000 a month. Like, <laughs> you know, and it was just, just, just all God, you know, put you in a position and, and, uh, no, no, I was just going to say, you know, a lot of people don't think about basketball outside of the NBA or maybe EuroLeague, EuroCup. Um, it's foreign to know that there's leagues in Mexico, Argentina, j- just all the places that you named and uh, and think about the path that you were on to get there is is incredible. So like when I started, when I started in Mexico, I didn't know what was coming after that. I, I didn't know. All I knew was like, look, make sure you take advantage of this opportunity. Like, you may not get another one, but you can go back and say, when I got my pro opportunity, I killed it. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, I just, you know, that's what I tell a lot of the, 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 my friends back in the city is just, when the opportunity comes, you gotta, gotta relish that. Like, you can't, think you're going to get another one like this a business like they don't like in Europe it's very cutthroat Asia is very cutthroat if they feel like you're not producing they will send you home and if they send you home you're not going to get all your money and <laughs> you may not know when you're going to get another opportunity so you really got to lock in on each opportunity and be grateful and not just think oh it's just just basketball it's just a little hobby like no like it's millions of people that want that one opportunity and you one of the people that got that opportunity. So that's my mindset every season going into a new season is to just dominate, to just continuously be able to move into the next opportunity. Well, you said you might have forgotten a country or, or a stop that you made, a league that you played in. But I was trying to write down while you were naming off your, your path. And I have 14 different countries that I wrote down. So if you forgot one, we'll forgive you. We'll We'll, we'll give you that. <laughs> And I, I just realized I did. I forgot France. Uh oh, fifteen. I forgot Lebanon. We got that one. We got that one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So Mexico, Mexico twice. So you know, if you want to count that. I think about it a lot. Well, I don't think about it a lot. I do think it'll, it'll come into my mind. Probably like when I'm about to sign a new contract, it always hits me like, bro, you really was like, and it's gonna make five hundred dollars now you know and Shannon you mentioned a little bit about about the money and and teams getting cutting you and uh or other players over there can you want to talk a little bit about like hey this isn't like the states where you get paid you know every other week or you know once a month you know talk about currency and sometimes teams not paying on time because they lose sponsors or any of that on your mind I'm experiencing that was when I was in, I was in Greece I'm a McCollins E I'm like money gonna be here this day, check, money gonna be here this day. A month go by and uh the team that they just keep saying that we gonna pay you, it should be there today, it should be there today, it should be here today. And it was never there. So when COVID hit, they canceled the whole season and I left with only one payment. And I had been there, I think, for like three and a half months. And it's just unfortunate how teams can just like 
not pay you and then expect for you to just show up every day professionally in the right state of mind, like everything is okay, you know? And the same thing happened to me this year in Turkey. That's how I ended up in Croatia. Like I started out in Turkey, the president, um, he paid us our first two payments. And after that, literally just said he didn't have no money. And I'm like, so how did you sign? Like, I'm, I'm, you got to show something to the Federation to make sure you got money on the books and et cetera. I'm not understanding. So basically, um, once he did that, I think a month and I couldn't leave. Like, and it's crazy because in Europe, they can be late with a payment. Right. So say I get paid on the 15th of this month. And if they I can't leave the team until a month later. So I had to sit there and wait for them to just basically see if they're going to be able to come up with the money. And when they don't come up with the money, then you can like basically void your contract and terminate it and look for other options. But you can't just like I don't know what's the rule in the States. Like, first of all, I don't I never heard anything being laid in the States as far as like jobs security and etc so when you come overseas and then you literally like a month two months late on payment and it's like they smiling in your face every day like everything is fine it's like no like <laughs> got a lot back home like just like y'all bills don't stop over here my bills don't stop either and it's just it's just wild how like they can get away with literally like robbery and then if you take them to court it's on, it's, that's a whole year process just to get the money that they owe you and lawyer fees and et cetera. So it's just, it's just a lot to go into it to, that can be mentally draining. It's a much different process than here. I think there would be a lockout immediately if the NBA quit paying. Right. Then, no. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I know NBA players, they tell me we get paid first and 15th every month. And it's like, bro, I get paid on the 15th. I don't know if I'm going to see it next month. You know? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, I mean, you just you just hope you get in the right situation. I mean, I thank God I haven't been in those situations many times. But I know guys that's been in those situations almost every year where it's like they missing out on payments. They don't know if they're going to get their payments. And it's very unfortunate. Shannon, I got a question for you. I was uh I played basketball in high school and um I got in the zone twice in my life. And for people uh, a lot of people that don't know what that means, that means when you shoot it's going in. It's like you can't miss. And so I've always wanted to ask a professional basketball player this. How often do you get in the zone? Are you is that a weekly thing? Can you tell a story about a time where you just could not miss uh, miss a shot? He was not in the zone against J.R. Smith. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely not. I was terrified. But um, I'm not. I'm not even going to like try to make this sound, you know, uh, cocky. I guess in the sense. No, bra truth, brag on I feel like I'm in the zone every. Brag game. on yourself every game. <laughs> I, every game, like seriously, like um, I, I feel like I go through runs in a game where I pull off eight to ten straight points. Um, but pro probably the game that probably stick out the most to me, um, it was a playoff game in China, probably 
uh, when was the last time I was in China? Four or five years ago. And so I was mad at the president of the team because <laughs> in China, you get two Americans per team. And he basically, we going on a road trip. And he tell the other American, like, no, I don't want you to play this game, rest, and, you know, be ready for the two home games when they come home. And I'm, I'm just like, bro, we in the playoffs. Like, I'm not understanding why you would tell somebody just to rest in a playoff game who's fully healthy. So I was irritated with that. I'm, like, frustrated, like, bro, like, how are we going to win this game? And um, I really, like – went crazy that I think I had 55 points like 16 rebounds eight assists five some some crazy stat line I seen it to Z because I remember I was talking to Z about like Z I don't know if we're gonna win this game man like the president then told the player he don't got to play in the playoff game and I don't understand it and Z you know he trying to be a friend and just give me comforting words and I lied Z I got you you know I kind of brushed it to the side <laughs> but, um after the game, when I text him, uh, he FaceTimed me. It was like, see, I told you. I told you you could do it. And, you know. Um, see, not only a financial advisor, a motivational speaker, too. Nah, absolutely. He'll give me some words of encouragement all the time. I think what some people don't realize, maybe here in the States, is we're NBA, we're NBA focused here. But there is high-level basketball overseas in China, in in you know Turkey, and and some of these other countries. They have very high-level basketball as well. No, I, I wouldn't say Asia as much as Europe because Asia is more like a, uh, like just basically no defense. Fill it up. How many points can you score for me? You know what I mean. But as far as in Europe very high level basketball. I feel like you really got to know how to play the game. You got to actually think the game. You got to actually have some kind of IQ for the game. You got to be an efficient player. You got to um, know the ins and outs of the game as far as like, okay, being at the nail on defense, I'm making a, the right pocket pass, I'm seeing the right read off the pick and roll. It's so much you got to that goes into a game in Europe because coaches and then the rules in the NBA and Europe are different too. So, you know, it's a lot more space in the NBA. As far as in Europe, the the paint is more clogged up, and you really gotta um, um, find ways to be effective. What about a language barrier? Has that been a big uh, hurdle to overcome with all your travel, or or are there translators everywhere you go, or is, is do the coaches speak English? What what about language barriers? Well, in Asia, you definitely have a translator everywhere you go. South Korea, Japan, China, it's a translator with you literally everywhere. <laughs> uh, in Europe, it's a, little bit, it's, it's a little bit more different because I think English has been a lot of these countries like second language that they learn. So, you know, some, some teams have like guys that can speak fluent English, like a d domestic player. So he'll be able to assist you in that matter. But as far as like a translator in Europe, is is kind of foreign in between. Shannon, talk to me about the best food you eat. What country would you say that you enjoyed the most because of the food? The food. Um, that's a good question. I would say Israel and Australia. Okay. 
Would not have guessed Israel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to be China. No, nah, man. I was eating, I was in Burger King and rice <laughs> and chicken every every day, every day. So what what was Australia? Did you have like weird stuff down there? Were you eating ostrich and, and crazy stuff or or what? No, nah, it's actually very Americanized, like very Americanized. So it wasn't no different from like I'm eating at home, you know. So that's one of the reasons why. I chose Australia because just the comfortableness I had, you know, it's very Americanized. They speak fluent English. Um, one thing I didn't know about Australia was that it's pretty uh, racist. And it's not to like the American basketball players, like they treat us a little differently, obviously, but, you know, Aboriginals are in Australia. And so I seen a few in my city and just seeing how they treated them was, like, so I did a little research and I was like, oh, wow. So y'all came in and just took their land um, and made it kind of co- colonialized it and made it more so seem like it was y'all land. And so, you know, I just did a little research and understood why they treat them the way they do. Look at this, Shannon the historian. <laughs> I like to read a little bit. You know? <laughs> so. The reason I was asking you about crazy food in, in Australia is we told a story about I had some uh, uh, ostrich that I had eaten overseas at, at this place. We talked about some other crazy things we had eaten, and my man Zach here sent us some ostrich burgers and some kangaroo burgers. So we grilled that up at the house and had a little taste test, and it was it was all right. We We ate it, even the picky people. We tried <laughs> When I say we ate it, we all took like one bite. We cut one burger up into like seven pieces. But I never try food that like I never tried in the states. So if I never tried ostrich, kangaroo, octopus, uh, shark tongue, like those kind of no, I'm not. Like, no. <laughs> no, 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 I just can't do it. I, I have several Asian friends who eat what I, what what I consider to be crazy food here in America. So I like I would have trouble I think with some of the delicacies of <laughs> Asian food, Asian cuisine when it gets to exotic fish parts and stuff like that. I got to tap out on that one. That's a hard mm. pass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a last year in Japan. I went to eat with my coach. And you know we went to the meat restaurant and they had a variety of meats and um I think one of the meats was like pig tongue or something like that. And he wanted me to try it. And I was like, uh, I, I, I'll pass. You, you, you can have mine, actually. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> I was just like, nah, I'm cool. They eat anything in Asia, though. It's weird. Yeah. Like, anything can be food. <laughs> anything. That, that's a great word. Anything can be food. That's right. Let's talk a little bit about you're in Croatia now. We, we've heard, you know, all the different places that you've been. What about keeping up with your faith in Croatia? So Croatia is labeled a Christian nation, but it's mostly mostly Catholic. Mm-hmm. So how is it there specifically, since that's where you are now, but in all your travels, keeping up with your faith, going through those trials and just being away from home? Right. So I just always, um, I'm big on routine, you know, and 
one of my routines is when I wake up in the morning, obviously I thank God, get down on my knees, thank God. But after that, like, I don't understand how people can wake up and the first thing you do is just scroll on your phone. You know what I mean? Like, so like the first thing I do is uh, play some gospel songs that I like. I read about an hour, the uh, Bible. And once I do that, I get started and just put me in the right mental space uh, of just what's to come. And then obviously I stream Bible studies back home from my pastor. And I watch the sermons over the weekend on Sundays. And um, I like listening to a lot of podcasts as well to just keep me uplifted. Um, so, yeah, I'm just big on routine. Yeah, you got a new podcast to add to the mix now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, de- I'm, I'm definitely going to be tuned in. Well, I, you started to mention that you're, uh, you're married, uh, married to your wife, Ryan. Uh, can you talk about how that's impacted your life while she spends time there with you, but then also back in Houston and how, how y'all have made that work? My wife is very, uh, be careful. She has a lot of intellect and she, no, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> she has a lot of, in, she has a lot of, uh, intellect and she's very, mindful of a lot of situations and she educates herself on a lot of things and just getting married last August and then coming into this year after marriage the plan was for her to you know come with me be with be with each other for the year and the first year of marriage because obviously the first year of marriage is most is most important because that's when you build foundational pieces you build trust you build uh you continuously learn one another the nuances of each other I mean, I I hear people all the time say, like, you can be with somebody for so long, but when you get married, it's like something you still don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? And Mm. I learn something every day. And so for her to be here with me is amazing. It's it's very, um, I'm grateful for this time because it gives us a lot of, like, literal, it gives us a lot of quality time together where we can just spend time alone with each other away from our families in Houston when we get pulled in a lot of directions. And I'm grateful to my wife also because she paused her career um, in education to come out here with me, made that sacrifice and for the benefit of the marriage. And I think it's going to uh, help us in the long run for sure. So obviously we all know what's going on in the world right now with the, the um, Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine, and you are in Croatia. Croatia is pretty close to what's going on in the world. I, I knew this stat. I didn't have to look it up. So Croatia is about 800 miles flight, uh, straight line from Ukraine. So for us here, that Nashville to New York City is about 800 miles. Just They're both a little less. Uh, Nashville to Austin, Texas, same distance, Houston to Atlanta. So that kind of puts it in perspective for us that it's close enough that you know what's going on. It's not right next door, but it's pretty close. And that's a, that's a two hour flight, right? Right. Yeah. About two, two and a half. Yeah. So how has that, has that affected you being in Europe now while all this has been going on for about the last 10 days or so as we record this episode? I mean, I've just been following it as much as everybody else in the world, probably. Obviously, my wife, she's been way more in tune. Like, I'll tap in with it and just read some CNN stories a few times, but 
she didn't research uh, the story behind it, not NATO and just everything, you know, but um, the only effect it's had is just the effect it had on my wife, letting her know like uh, we gonna be fine and et cetera. Um, actually, we got a email from the embassy in Croatia saying that they was letting a thousand Ukrainian citizens into the country. I guess they came to the border and et cetera. So um, that was something that was just new to me. I just got that email the other day. Um, but I mean, I just feel for every individual that's being affected by this, especially in Ukraine, because um, when you look at the story behind it and why he's doing it, I just don't think it it makes sense. Like it don't add up for me to, for you to like, blow up a whole, I try to blow up a whole country. I try to kill the country president because he wants to be an independent country. I just don't, I don't understand. With with all of your travels and the different teams you've played on, do you know anyone who was playing in Russia or Ukraine when, when this all kicked off? Yeah, one of my closest friends was playing in Ukraine. So I, I reached out to him and asked him, was he okay? He told me it was perfectly fine. He went home to Houston, then he went to Czech Republic. And then another friend to Ray, the one, um, he got stuck at the border for about 15 hours and he was stuck in Ukraine for a nice little while. He actually did some interviews on on the, uh, on the CNN, I believe he did an interview, something like that. It was a nationally televised interview. And um, everybody that I know in Russia, they all, they're all back at home with their families. So everybody that I know is fine. Uh, Shannon, I just want to just tell you just how much I've enjoyed hearing your story. And I can, uh, the thing that comes, keeps coming to my mind is just your determination. You're not, you haven't given up you. And when you, when you talked about that before you went to Mexico, how you prayed, that just really stuck out to me. And and we've seen all the ways that God has, uh, just moved in your life and just gave you a direction to, to get you where you are today. What does your, uh, what does your future look like? Do you have an idea of what you're going to, what your future is going to hold for you? Yeah, I, I talked to Z, talk to Z about this a lot, actually. And um, so one of my goals is to own a gym in my city. And I'm kind of like in the work, you know, in, in the process of, of accomplishing that. But another goal as far as like after basketball is to, I want to be an ESPN analyst. I went to college for communication. I'm actually doing an internship this summer with a, a sports station just to um, build some kind of uh, resume in a sense and just learn the ropes of the of that that industry because I've never been in it. But I do love to uh, talk sports, debate, like a Stephen A. Smith. Like, I really <laughs> enjoy that. And uh, that's, that's, that's like my next goal. That's my next vision for sure. Russell, that was a layup for you. You can ask him right now, Jordan or LeBron. Well, I was going to. I didn't know if we want to get into that. <laughs> I, I have an idea who he's going to say, so I, I think we're. I think we're all good. <laughs> he's a little bit. He's a little bit younger than me. So, wh- which one is it? Which one is it, Shane? Uh, the goat, Jordan. That's Thank easy. you. Thank you. Thank you. That's easy. There's no debate for me. Right. I, I don't think that's where Russell thought you were going. I thought you. I was hopeful. <laughs> I, I don't see much. I don't see much of a debate in that myself. But uh. Shannon, can you talk a little bit about the stuff that you have um, that you've done off the court? Um, I don't care if you want to talk about businesses that you've invested in, uh, things that you've done. But 
obviously your foundation, I wanted you to kind of talk a little bit about that and, you know, what, what that tries to accomplish. So like one of my goals was when I got in a position, right. When I got in a position was to uh, help out people that came from situations I came, you know, so um, with my mom, I got her her own business. She has a food truck business called uh, Smash Potatoes with a Twist. This was a goal of hers. Obviously, the pandemic kind of slows some stuff down, but we was rolling, like really rolling at a point in time, and we trying to pick that back up. And um, so I put her in a position. I invested in her company, and you know she really enjoying it. So I'm, I'm that's something I'm proud about. And then my foundation, it's called It's Only Right Foundation. Um, you can visit the foundation page at www.iorfoundation.org. And it just it just shows everything I'm doing in my city. I have I've had the foundation for about three or four years now, and I have a scholarship giveaway every year in May, June, with my church and with my high school. I have a free basketball camp for the free basketball camp for the kids. It's about 100 and 100 to 125 kids that attend that. I um, have a turkey giveaway in uh, November. I've had a um, grocery giveaway, and I have a back to school drive where I give out backpacks. And school supplies and it's just just being a light to the youth just giving them something to, to look to and just say okay um he came from the same situations i've been in and look what he's doing and i feel like if you invest in a um, young person's future when they hit that adversity in college because you're gonna hit adversity you're gonna hit times when um you don't want to go to class times when you don't want to study times when uh important assignment is due and you worried about doing something else I feel like they remember that the individual invested in them and 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 wanted them to achieve the goals that they set forth set forth for themselves after college, and so that was a big reason why I um, did my scholarship giveaway. And we probably giving out, I want to say, almost a hundred thousand in scholarships wow. in the last four years. So that's definitely that's uh, something I'm proud of. Shannon, something I, we didn't touch on, but, you know, just can you tell me, like, what your day-to-day looks like? I mean, over there you play a couple games a week, and then you train, do you um, practice? You know, just kind of give us a week, what it looks like for a week for you. So our schedule is pretty um, taxing, I would definitely say that, because of the bus rides we go on and practice and et cetera. So we'll usually have two or three games a week. Um, we'll rarely get an off day. It depends on the day. But when we don't get an off day, we usually do like recovery workouts. I usually try to get to the gym about two hours before the practice, do my own little workout. Um, I like to uh, enjoy my time in the morning reading and time with my wife. We go eat breakfast a lot. We sit down. Like last week, we went and got a pedicure and a manicure, you know, just spending quality time together. And then I usually go to practice in the afternoon and then eat dinner. And then we have a game usually on like a Thursday, a Saturday, a Sunday. It just depends on the day of the week. And you talked about travel a little bit. What what kind of bus rides are, are you? I mean, we're talking two hours or ten hours or or what what what's the travel like? So we have a so the today trip was only about five hours. It wasn't too bad, um, but we have a. 13 hour trip coming up in about two and a half weeks that I'm not looking forward to, but you know, that's the longest trip of the season. And, um, you know, 
you just got to control what's in your control. Take what you get. 13 and a half hours. Are y'all, y'all playing this team a few times or just one game and then back home? Nah, there's one game. And um, the ABA League is against other European uh, teams um, in, like, near, like, the Adriatic Sea, like Serbian teams, uh, Montenegro teams, Croatian teams. Uh, uh, I'm missing a country. I know I am. Well, that's some, that's something different than here, right? Because like over there, you play in multiple leagues. You can play in Euro League. You play Euro Cup. You know the Adriatic League, uh, and over here it's just the NBA, right? And so that that's something different that most people probably don't know. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good opportunity just to experience a lot of different cultures when you're overseas and just see the different nuances of basketball. That's what I really enjoy, just to see the skill set of uh, different players from different countries. So when you're traveling on these 13-hour bus rides, is this like a nice bus with TVs and couches and lounge chairs, or are we we like on a modified school bus? No, nah, it's a charter bus. It's not like a modified school bus. It's a charter bus, but <laughs> we definitely don't have no couch. We, <laughs> we do get our own row, though. Um, and uh, I think it's TVs on the bus. Everybody's got phone now. So I don't guess you need the TV, TVs. but. Right. Right, everybody does for sure. When when uh, this league right now, you you planning obviously are planning to be there through the championship. So coming home sometime in June. Yeah, that's the plan. You know, get to the championship, give us the opportunity. I think the finals, the first week of the, the first game of the finals is the first week of June. So that'll probably last about ten days, and then I'll probably be home after that. So you're talking come home in June, mid June, uh, run a camp sometime in July and then flip it back around and be be back overseas in August. Right. Yeah, that's the plan. I was saying it's year 10 for me, and I told my wife before the season, um, after the season, I'll, like, you know, take a two-week break and just analyze everything and just see where I'm at, see how I feel, and, um, you know, go from there. Because I feel like once you get married, it's not, it's not just a – it's not just a you decision, but it's like a we decision, you know? So do you already have a contract for next year, or do you know where you're – are you going back to Croatia, or is that still up in the air? That's my Croatian team. They've been talking to me. But um, like I told them, it's always going to be about the situation, the uh, finances, and et cetera. But um, I should have some really good opportunities coming this season just off what I'm doing right now. Um, from talking to my agent, he's been in my ear a lot telling me, like, you know, your name buzzing and et cetera. So, you know, we'll see. I'm usually signed by, like, July, early August. And then I'm usually out probably at the end of August, early September, you know. You, you want to you shout out to yourself of, like, what your stat line is this year? Well, I'm actually leading the league in the <laughs> scoring in the ABA, in the Adriatic League. So that's pretty good. Mm. That's great. Um, I was waiting in for the Croatian league. I don't really play as many minutes, but <laughs> so yeah. I mean, we just gotta get a few more wins, get a few more wins, and we probably won't make the playoffs. But if we can just end that season on a high note, that'll be good for sure. But yeah, the the whole multiple league thing is confusing. So it's, it's a little weird, but <laughs> but I'm glad you're doing well. Glad you're doing well. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. Hey, Shannon, man, thanks so much for joining us. We know it's a, man, huge time difference. Uh, you're you're up in the middle of the night just to make this happen. And 
even though you just got off a bus, but we won't tell everyone else that. <laughs> but, uh, man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for, uh, uh, man, helping us expand. Uh, this is our first international interview, fellas. We, we have a lot of people who listen overseas to this podcast, but uh, this is the first time going outside the the. That's what technology allows you to do, right? Technology great. is great. So thanks for coming. Um, make sure that you uh, support Shannon and his mother, uh, Smash Potatoes with a Twist. If you want to check out that food truck, if you're in the Houston area, if you pay enough, they might drive to where you are. So, <laughs> you know, check that out. Uh, his foundation, it, it's Only Right Foundation, and that's uh, IORfoundation.org. You can check Shannon out on Instagram, official Shan 12 underscore. Or just, uh, you know, hit the little search bar, Shannon Shorter. He'll pop up. <laughs> you click on him, give him a follow, and, and see some see some cool stuff from, from different places. So, Shannon, man, thanks so much again. We finish every episode with a Bible verse, and we're going to go back to what you referenced a little earlier. This is uh, Luke 16, verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So we can, man, you are a great example uh, of how, you know, God kind of trusted you with $300 in Mexico and you've turned that into a 10-year career and you're blessing many, many people through that. And uh, uh, we're just happy again to have you on and happy for the example. And we pray that God would just continue to bless you so you can pass that along to other people. Man, I really appreciate it. Thank y'all for having me. Thank y'all for allowing me to share my story, share my foundation information, share the story about my mother and her business. I just want to say I really appreciate y'all. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it too. And when when you win that championship and get back to the States, man, stop on by and we'll do this thing in person. And, uh, <laughs> there we go. We'll show you a good time around here. <laughs> it's long overdue. I need it. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know how busy you are. And, um, again, I, I, I appreciate you and the inspiration you are to the young people in Houston and uh, hopefully the people that tune into this podcast that uh, hearing your story will impact their life. Thank you, man. Really appreciate you. All right. Well, that'll do it. Uh, thank you for listening to GPS to God. Make sure you reach out uh, to us, podcast at parkwaybc.net, and we will see you again next week. We hope you're enjoying GPS to God. Rate, review, and subscribe across every platform you use. Help us spread the word by telling your friends and family to watch, listen, and subscribe.